You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. Balance of Nature, changing the world one life at a time. So I went to the um, ophthalmologist for my eye exam. I usually go yearly. He says, what are you doing? And I told him about Balance of Nature. He said, well, whatever you're doing, keep it up. My primary doctor, she couldn't get over how much better I was doing. She said she'd never seen anything like it. I hope this is really taking off because it's, it's been a godsend, I'm telling you. I mean, I'm a pharmacist, and for two years, I haven't had a cold. Balance of Nature has impacted my life in a positive way. Don't wait to see what getting over 10 servings of whole fruits and vegetables every day can do for you. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Start your journey to better health today by calling 1-800-246-8751. Welcome into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. This is Into Tomorrow for the weekend of Friday the 13th of November. Well, thanks to Tropical Storm Eta, our Miami studios, specifically our control room, took a major hit with massive flooding. The water is finally receding, but without power, we still don't know what all equipment may have been affected. There's also, of course, damage to the walls and the furniture and the carpets, and it's a mess. So while we try to sort it all out, please enjoy this best of show. From the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitoring System, the future of diabetes management is here. Visit DEXCOM.com to learn more. Bob in El Paso, Texas, listens to the free Into Tomorrow podcast. You can sign up for them as well. Did I mention they're free and also no charge when you hit us up at intotomorrow.com? Hey, Bob. Hey, Dave. We really like to use some of these social distancing Internet platforms like Zoom. But the problem with Zoom is it's uh, 40 minutes for the free version. We're looking for some alternative. Can you suggest something that's good that allows families to talk together besides some of the more popular ones that require a subscription? Sure. You mean other than in person, if you can, as a family? Uh, But I get where you're coming from, Bob. Google Meet should work well for your needs. Their tiled view can show up to 16 participants at a time. If your family members could connect to Zoom, they should be able to easily connect to Google Meet using the same devices, computer, desktop, laptop, tablet, phone, what have you. Google's been pushing it pretty hard lately, so you're unlikely to run into any annoyances until they conquer more market share and want to maybe try to monetize it more. But for the most part, you can do it. Skype, of course, has gotten pretty clunky and very bloated, if you will, but it should also work for the family, too. Yeah. Now, if your family already uses WhatsApp, you can uh, also do video conferences there, which might spare them from having to download an extra app. Microsoft Teams might work for you as well. It's a little more of a corporate tool meant to help with collaboration on office documents, but you can ignore that part and just use the video. Uh, Other ways of connecting with families with uh, Facebook Messenger. They have a video chat option. Snapchat has video chat as well. Uh, There you can play games and add filters to your video output. FaceTime is another choice if you happen to use Apple devices. Yeah, but if you're not an iPhone, FaceTime's not an option. Yeah, well... 
But well, if you're an iPhone, he's like you guys. If you're smart and use iPhones, no, use no. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it has filters too, which now you can make your conversations a little more fun. Yeah. There are many, many others, but most of the good ones have the same problem Zoom has for your use case. They're marketed towards businesses, and obviously they have limits. Yeah, it's like Whereby. It's a pretty good uh, service, but it has a low amount of participants on the free accounts. Blue Jeans costs less than Zoom per month, but it has no free version. WebEx feels like something that somebody forgot to keep updating about five years ago. <laughs> and the free version will cut you off after less than an hour. Um, and GoToMeeting has no free version. Now, the good news is that there's probably plenty of options, even if most products are aimed towards paid use for business. Yeah. Mark in Windsor, Ontario, Canada, listens on AM 800 CKLW. They're also known as the information station. Hello, Mark. How do I know if it's my router or my modem that's causing the issue? Because I have some devices that work and some say connected, but no internet. Oh, well, if some work and some don't, it's your router. The routing a router does is in part routing internet requests back to the devices that made them. The modem doesn't take care of that part. The devices that don't work may have their own settings issues, too. So don't forget to check those as well. Yeah, if you want to check and see if your modem is doing its job, plug in your computer via network cable directly to it and check at the source. If you get a solid Internet connection, then your modem is working as it should, and you can go ahead and replace your router. There you go. I hope that helps you out, Mark, because a lot of times routers are the issues, and when you can, try to update those items. Joe in Durham, North Carolina, listens on News Radio 680 WPTF. Hello, Joe. I just wanted to alert you so that you can notify your listeners that I've been getting junk email that claims it's from the U.S. Census Bureau. And I know the U.S. Census Bureau doesn't send you emails asking you to complete a survey. I haven't responded because I believe that this would just be to my detriment and anyone's detriment who responds. So I just wanted to warn your listeners to beware. Well, and you have done just that, Joe. Thank you very much. And, and of course, Chris found this from the actual Census Bureau. If you get an email and think it's bogus, do not reply. Do not click on any links. And do not open any attachments. What should you do then? Forward the email or website URL to the Census Bureau. They say it's at ois.fraud.reporting at census.gov. But we'll have this on our site at intotomorrow.com. So well, because everybody won't remember yeah. that? No, of course That's not. Absurd. Yeah. Typical government email address. Yeah. I just yeah. read it. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Something about census.gov. Yeah. But yeah. And, then, and then delete the message. They said that they'll investigate and notify you of the findings. Yeah, if there are any findings. Steve in Lake Villa, Illinois, listens to the free Into Tomorrow podcast that you can sign up for as well at intotomorrow.com. And we love you, Steve, calling in using the free Into Tomorrow app. My wife convinced me into buying a a two-pack of smart plugs. I didn't know what I'd use it for. I kind of use it on my backup coffee maker, my K-Reg it doesn't really work on. Hmm. What do you think best use for smart plugs or a couple smart plugs? lost for what I could do with these. I think that's very cool, though, that your wife got them for you. So, And I think it's even more cool that you're trying to justify a use for them. So we're here to help you out. Well, I think his wife made him get them for her. 
Oh, that could be. That's what he well, was saying. Well, in, in which case, we're, we've got some uh, tips for you, Steve. That it's pretty much up to what you need to automate. So it sounds more like a question, I guess, maybe for your wife, if she's the one who wanted them. Uh, what we can tell you is that normally they're mostly useful for something like a lamp, just something simple that you want to turn on or off. Usually you'll get more out of them if you can automate something in some way. Uh, for example, like I said, if you plug some lamps into those smart plugs, you might might be able to get them to turn on after sunset or uh, but or only if you're home for example or turn on when you're a block away and getting home so it's already lit yeah, and you can use them for some other things that are interesting for some users. For example, to turn on an AC unit if you have wall, window, or split units. But those normally require higher amp models, which aren't very common. Um, you can set just about any unit to control fans, dehumidifiers, and other common gadgets, though. Devices in the kitchen, like a coffee maker, can be completely automated with a smart plug. You can turn it on in the morning as you're getting ready for the day, saving you time. If you're thinking ahead, it could also be used for holiday decorations, making sure they're on at night so you don't have to remember yourself. In fact, I have a smart plug that I plug my Christmas tree in, there you and go. I walk in my house and I say, Alexa, turn on the Christmas tree, and it comes on. Oh, okay. Or you could set it with a timer to right. just turn yeah. on, but it makes more sense if you arrive home at different times, and then just tell her to turn it on. Now, it can also save you money by cutting off any power that's left on standby. Smart plugs can also work with radio. So you can set it to turn on whenever we're on the air, for example, so you never miss our show. Now, your Yay. wife must have been thinking about some uses when she convinced you to buy them, though. So is there anything that she'd like to automate or control remotely? If so, that really should be your answer. I think it should be. And, Steve, you'd be, do well to keep the wife happy, especially since you got the smart plugs now. We gave you a whole bunch of ideas, and there are many more. Maybe some others listening have some other tips. How do you use a smart plug? Certainly one of the less expensive ways to utilize some home automation goodies is a smart plug. You're not having to get bigger devices or, you know, other things. Let us know, and we'll pass it on to Steve on the air. Jake in Colfax, Washington, listens on KMAX, 840 AM. Hello, Jake. Welcome into tomorrow. Right now, I'm calling you guys on my uh, phone that I'm using currently, a Motorola E4, um, which has a terrible battery right now. And my birthday's coming up, so I'm wondering what phone should I get. I would prefer to have a phone that has 2 gigabytes of RAM, but I would prefer it to be under $400. I've heard good things about the Motorola G Plus, but I don't know if that's a good if it would be worth my money to get that. Well, Jake, first of all, happy early birthday. And that's awesome. And and we'll be thinking of you, although you didn't tell us when it is. But it's coming up, so happy early birthday. Uh, we've heard good things about the Motorola G Plus, but they have all revolved around the price. The display is apparently very, very good from what we gather. The camera is good, but not as good as Motorola claims. The rest of the phone seems to largely be what you can expect for the price point of the device. Now, it's not flawless, uh, but it's five or six times cheaper than some of the phones hitting the market these days. Overall, it does look like a good phone and a reasonable choice for the price. There's very little competition for you to consider at that same price point, but there are some to consider at 
just under $400. Yeah, now, if you don't mind having a phone that didn't hit the market this year, a Samsung Galaxy S9 can be had for under 400 bucks. Uh, an iPhone 8 can still be found for around 350 and their brand new SE is selling for 400 and is a new phone. Yeah, but if, you don't want to have the poor guy become an iPhoney. Come on. Well, he's talking he about Android. The, well, let's help him out. It's his exactly. birthday I'm trying coming to up. help him out. That's why I'm steering him towards iPhone. Yeah, don't pay attention, Jake, about iPhone. <laughs> uh, old flagships were built to better standards so they may be worth considering even if they're not new anymore, uh, since they may still be more powerful and better built than newer budget phones. Now, another phone you might want to consider is the Google Pixel 3a. It's an incredible phone costing about 400 bucks. It has 4 gig of RAM, 64 gig of storage, a 5.6-inch screen, uh, and impressive front and rear cameras at 8 and 12.2 megapixels, respectively. So that's a, that's a phone with a lot of good features for 400 bucks. So you might want to really look at that, Jake, because I think you're going to get a lot more for your money than what you would have gotten for the same amount of money with the Motorola. And being that it's a Google phone, it's not going to have a whole lot of this crapware added on by mm-hmm. a carrier. In fact, that's the key with the Pixel phones, and they are clean, flat-out Android. Not only is there no crapware from the phone manufacturer, because in this case it's a Google phone, but you also they don't allow the carriers to put their nonsense stuff on it as well. So you end up with a true device that should do the job for you. Greg in Manchester, Tennessee, listens online. Welcome into tomorrow, Greg. My question is for this New Edge browser. Um, I got a notification on my computer. I need to update my Internet Explorer browser. So anyway, I'm just wanting to know more of what you know about the Edge browser. Why is it better? Well, I don't know that it's better, Greg, but once upon a time, IE accounted for 95% of the traffic websites would see, that Internet Explorer, you may recall. These days, as you're experiencing, even Microsoft wants off of it. Microsoft is still supporting IE, at least until Windows 10 loses support. But they're not really keeping it updated to where it can compete with other modern browsers, i.e. doesn't support many standards that every other browser does. So it's not rare to run into pages that just will not work under the old Internet Explorer. Yeah, most sites, but also web-based services, are not bothering to support IE anymore because the user base is understood to have shrunk to pretty small levels, but also because it's genuinely expensive to support it. The lack of compatibility with modern standards means that some things that work for every other browser will not work with IE, and it might need to add lots of uh, brittle workarounds or even duplicate features. Edge, on the other hand, is reskinned Chromium, the engine that Google's Chrome uses. Chrome is the current standard browser on computers and the one that has the most widespread support. That means that switching over to Edge will pretty much guarantee that most sites will work with your computer. Of course, at the moment, if you want to stick with IE 11, you should be good. It's still getting security updates for the moment, but your overall online experience will be worse. Yeah, in fact, because I've got the four main browsers all on my computer. I've got uh, Firefox, which I use the most. I've got Chrome, which I then use probably the second most. Hmm. And then I've got Opera. And then way down at the end, I've got Edge. Yeah. 
the newer Edge because it's better than IE, right. though it's still not as good as Firefox and Chrome. Right. Firefox is still my browser of choice and has been for years. Ever since um, Netscape Navigator was pulled off the market, yeah. I've moved to Firefox. <laughs> and, but, of course, if you're a Mac person, you're likely using Safari, but a lot of Mac people are also using Chrome and Firefox. Right. And it stands to reason that I would like Firefox because those of us who are fans of Netscape, Netscape sort of morphed into Firefox. Yeah. Right. So. That's the Mozilla yeah. whole thing there. So it's an interesting question, Greg, and, and I hope that you're not stuck with IE uh, too much longer because there are so much. Every other browser, even ones you probably haven't heard of, are a lot better than Internet Explorer ever was. Yeah, and all the popular browsers and 90% of every other browser are all free anyway. Oh, so. of course. Yeah, so if, so you don't have, if you don't have Chrome, download it or Firefox or, or even Opera. Uh, very good, stable browsers, and your websites will look fine. If you've got a question similar to Greg's, or maybe you want to offer some additional input for any of our callers, we love listeners helping other listeners, we want to hear from you. And it's very easy, not just because when you call in, you win stuff. That's a given. 800-899-4686. That's 800-899-INTO-DETAILS-AT-INTO-TOMORROW.COM. What if people with type 1 diabetes had the power to manage their condition without finger sticks? To always know their glucose levels and where they're heading with just a glance at their smart device? To customize alerts and alarms to help keep them in range? All this knowledge powered by a small wearable. Introducing the Dexcom G6. Make knowledge your superpower. For a list of compatible smart devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G6 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. Tropical storm Ada left many of us here in South Florida with nightmarish flooding damage. I'm Dave Graveline. This is Into Tomorrow. Our network control room was hit hard, and the torrential rains gushed into our facilities, ruined a lot of equipment, furniture, carpet, and walls. We're beginning the massive cleanup and restoration and hope that you will enjoy this week's best of show in the meantime. We sure hope to be back with a regular show with duct tape and the non-soaked microphones by next week. Please stay tuned. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by StreamGuys.com, providing a 24-7 stream of Into Tomorrow on our website at IntoTomorrow.com and on the new and improved Into Tomorrow apps. Andrea in Windsor, Ontario, listens on AM 800 CKLW, calling in using the Into Tomorrow app. We love you for that. I like to know, why is my iPhone 6S shutting down all the time? This is just recent. And all the uploads are on. I mean, you know how you have to download something? All that is on. It just keeps shutting off periodically. And I looked also, the battery is good. So it's driving me crazy. 
Thank you. Well, if you're like me, it's a short drive, so I can understand where you're coming from. And the problem is that it's an iPhone. Get an Android. You won't have that problem. But we will address your concern, Andrea. There are a couple of things that can cause a phone to shut down seemingly at random. And, of course, you mean updates that you were talking about. If it has all the current updates, um, it'll be hard for the operating system itself to be causing it. But you can try resetting the phone to factory settings if you're desperate enough to put up with settings it up from scratch again. The most likely causes, though, are hardware faults. The battery is, of course, the most obvious one with an older phone like the iPhone 6S, but you say you've ruled that out. Yeah. Now, any crack in any board can cause random shutdowns as well. Um, if that's the cause, there's really not much you can do about it. You won't be able to replace the main internal components of your phone for a price that makes more sense than just replacing the whole phone. Given that it's an iPhone, taking it into an Apple store for a diagnosis by their uh, <clears throat> genius bar. Yeah, air quotes, uh, genius yeah, bar. Would probably be smart when you're able to. Um, even if you don't want to spend the money to fix it there, they'll probably be able to tell you what the source of the problem is. And you can make your decision based on that. If a reset to factory settings doesn't work and it's a hardware problem, keep in mind that it might not be worth fixing. Yeah. At that point, it, it is such an older phone, Andrea, that you might want to consider a newer model. It doesn't mean the newest model. I always buy the last model. I'm, I'm always a model behind because the, I wait till they're a little bit cheaper. Yeah, and they are because they want to sell the newest model. And that's fine. Let all your friends and relatives and other people deal with the bugs and the problems that the brand new model may have. You get the one after that that's already had the bugs worked out and the appropriate updates. But let us know what works out for you in the long run because I'm very curious. Now, into tomorrow's favorite app of the week. What's your favorite app? Well, Danny has a new one that she contributed to the show this week. Her new favorite app is Noom. That's how you say it? Like noon with an M. Right. Okay. It's difficult to stay healthy, usually even more difficult during these hard times. But if you ever want to try losing weight, Noom, Chris is shaking his head no, Noom is an app you may want to consider. After signing up, setting your goal weight, answering just a few questions, and picking a payment plan, the app lets you log what you eat. And you document your weight. You offer they offer healthy recipes, tips and tricks, and even has a personal coach that you can reach to stay motivated. Pretty cool, if you ask me. So that's called Noom, and it's Danny's app of the week. Do check it out. This is an important announcement for anyone who wants health insurance, even if you miss the deadline. That's right. Don't worry if you miss the deadline for open enrollment. Right now, you can get the health insurance you and your family need from top insurance providers, even if you have pre-existing conditions or no insurance at all. The Plus Benefits Health Insurance toll-free number has been extended to help anyone who wants health insurance coverage now or anyone who just needs a better plan or a lower price. Did you miss the penalty deadline, have a baby, get married, or get dropped from your plan? Don't worry. Plans are available now and in just minutes we will help you find the right plan that's best for you and your budget call plus benefits health insurance now at 800-332-1993 the call is 100 free and the help is real you can finally get health insurance that's right for you but hurry and get covered before it's too late call 800-332-1993 now to find the best plan at the lowest price call 800-332-1993 
That's 800-332-1993. Thank you for tuning in to Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline, now in our 25th year on the air covering the latest in consumer tech. Products and services, gadgets and gizmos, all things cool and involving tech and available today and into tomorrow. Our next guest is with an AI products and solutions company, and we'll find out what that's all about. He's the CEO of Hypergiant Industries. I like the name right away. Ben Lamb. Ben, welcome into tomorrow. How are you? Great, Dave. Thanks so much for having me. I, I love uh, the show. I love the name of the show. And our tagline is actually tomorrow and today, so I think we couldn't be uh, better aligned. Yeah, it sounds like a perfect fit. We noticed that on your site when I visit hypergiant.com, tomorrowing today. What does that mean from your perspective? Well, our, our goal at Hypergiant is to really deliver tomorrow today, meaning that we wanted to start a company to deliver uh, that techtopia that we were all promised. And so we've all heard about you know these visions of the future of like clean energy, fighting climate change, trips to Mars, uh, and flying cars. None of that really happened. So we got this incredible vision of the future, but none of it actually kind of came to fruition. And so our goal with Hypergiant is, was to build an emerging tech and AI company that really focused on uh, the intersection of critical infrastructure, space, and defense to help enable that uh, tomorrow and today, whether it's working on things like the interplanetary Internet, working on next-gen heads-up displays, for astronauts, uh, working on bioreactors to combat climate change, or solving just big problems for federal government agencies and large uh, corporations. You know, our focus is really just trying to drive innovation and, and try to push various industries forward through the lens of emerging tech and artificial intelligence. Wow, so many things to unpack there, including the interplanetary <laughs> Internet. What is that? Uh, so if you, it's a long-term plan. You know, we get asked about it a lot. But if you look at Hypergiant and our various, uh, our various focuses around uh, critical infrastructure, space, and events, you know, it, it's probably the best culmination of our long-term vision. Just like we have the Internet here on Earth, long-term we're going to have to build an Internet in space, right? We've got sure. things that exist like the Deep Space Network and other things that brilliant minds at NASA have created. But long-term we're going to have to build a very smart – infrastructure that is a bunch of uh, laser palm nodes that understands where they are versus all of the other astrological bodies in the universe, uh, or at least in, in local solar and then you know beyond, and then ultimately ties that back into uh, leveraging AI to do smart routing and smart caching of all of uh, the information that we will eventually uh, flow between Earth, Moon, Mars, and then the rest of the solar system. And so it's a long-term project. We're working with uh, uh, two great defense contractor partners on it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's kind of the culmination of our long-term vision for Hypergiant. And so it's kind of fun to, you know, work on some of the short-term stuff that we're doing, but it's one of the longer-term 15-year projects that uh, we've got coming out of our R&D group. Very cool. I mean, right away, my first thought was there's already lag time here on Earth with satellite. But imagine from another planet, you know, we have to uh, do a, a little search and hit enter and then uh, not only go to lunch, but probably uh, go on vacation and then get your answer. Uh, so there's, <laughs> yeah. a, there's a lot to work on there. Yeah, yeah it, it's awesome. Like I said, it, it's not our, our primary focus at Hypergiant. We're kind of 
think of it as we're building a bunch of Lego blocks and, <laughs> and building different products that ultimately will be added together to help solve that challenge. But it's something that, you know, as we become an interplanetary species and as great companies like SpaceX and, and Blue Origin and others, you know, take us uh, beyond Earth, uh, to Mars and, and even further, you know, having that core infrastructure is going to be key for uh, information locally on uh, various celestial bodies and also in data relays for information back. And so, but remember kind of how we think about the Internet today from a relativity perspective, our house isn't moving or our office isn't moving in relation uh, uh, to the telephone pole, even though we're all technically moving pretty fast right now in the universe. Uh, but, but think about where if you had telephone poles that were constantly moving and your house is constantly moving and sometimes there was a, a massive fireball between them, you know, you have to be pretty smart with how you think through smart routing and smart caching and you build delay tolerant networks because the networks that are going to have to uh, work in space, just like what you uh, suggested earlier, Dave, they can't work like how they work here. You, you hit enter and you go to lunch or yeah. go on a vacation. So they've got to make sure that you, you factor in for all of this, uh, all of the necessary moving parts uh, that will be uh, required to make uh, the system work. I, I do love your hypergiant thinking into tomorrow because obviously we've got to have that sort of thought process going on on a regular basis because things are improving and uh, advancing leaps and bounds, and all of a sudden, before we know it, it is tomorrow. And, and, exactly. and, and we've got to be prepared to handle these things, whether it be from another planet or just our own uh, scenario. We talk about, with you guys, AI products and solutions. Uh, give us some examples of those kinds of things that you guys are working on. So It's a great question. Everything that we do has, you know, a lot of times people call us an AI company, and, and, and we do too. I think that, you know, in the future, in the not-too-distant future, every company is going to be an AI company. They're going to be leveraging data and machine learning and all these intelligent technologies to, to better inform uh, their business leaders to make better decisions and to look for opportunities for efficiency in automa- automation games. Just like today, we don't run around all saying we're Internet companies, but we really are, right? Like everything that we're doing today exists because of the Internet. We're all dot-com companies. But just like, it, like in the late 90s and early 2000s, Right now, everyone calls themselves an AI company. We're really still all Internet companies. I think eventually we'll get away uh, from saying that. And so I really think that ultimately we're an emerging tech company. So, you know, a a couple examples of of how we think about uh, the world through kind of the lens of emerging tech and and artificial intelligence is a lot of companies, you know, we're very passionate about some terrestrial use cases as well, like climate change. And a lot of companies uh, have have, in great research organizations have built uh, photobioreactors where they're leveraging uh, algae to grow and, and combat climate change and, and do carbon sequestering and all kinds of great uh, technologies. But no one had really taken that, tech, that core research and that core technology to the next level, including uh, the use of robotics and automation and artificial intelligence. And so mm-hmm. a way that, the way that Hypergiant thinks, the way that we work is we took a problem being climate change. We looked at the great women and men that work at Hypergiant and said, how can we uh, you know, uh, have a voice in this and how can we help push humanity forward and truly tomorrow today? And the way we thought about it was we looked and researched all of the great work that has been done on federal bioreactors and said, 
can we improve the system with automation? Can we improve with robotics? Can we actually use an, build an AI algorithm to monitor algae growth and optimize lighting and optimize, do all these different things with tr tricking the circadian rhythm of algae, algae and all these other uh, different components to maximize the efficiency of, of carbon sequestering? And the answer was yes. And so that's a great example of how we took a known research technology, layered on uh, advanced algorithms and artificial intelligence, and data collection through sensors, layered on robotics and automation so that we could take a, a photobioreactor and make it as uh, impactful as an, over an acre of trees and be able to sequester, you know, essentially uh, over a metric ton of carbon every year in the size of a device that's like a, the size of a small refrigerator. And so that previously wasn't possible, and the way it was possible was because of, the, the, of leveraging artificial intelligence and those in that machine learning capabilities to then inform the robotics of how to run and manage the system. Interesting. And, and Ben, I like how you talk about we're all really kind of AI, and it seems like it'll become just the standard. It won't be, uh, well, what are you doing in artificial intelligence? It'll just be, what are you doing, period. And, exactly. and, and it's no longer AI. It's just part of everyday life. Right. I think that right now, you know, we, we came from this world where AI was more research and development, and we had these things called AI winters where AI got really excited, exciting, and machine learning type technology got really exciting. Then they went away, and those were called AI winters. Now they've kind of come back. I think we've finally gotten to the point that, you know, people are starting to demystify some of these words, and right now AI is in this magical black box that everyone thought it was. It's just tools and techniques of how you better leverage data across your organization and do it in an automated way so that the machines can crunch tons and tons of data and then either do automated tasks or actually provide uh, data back uh, to humans uh, to use it. So like a great example of that right now that we're working on is uh, our hypergiant galactic systems, our space division is really focused on space supply chain and building and monitoring and managing our constellation of satellites and other constellation of satellites. And so we did that. We looked at all of the ground station software out there to, that, uh, that people are using to control all of these uh, satellites and satellite and, and now satellite constellations, and very few of them have any AI or machine learning capabilities. And so that's things like automated tasking of satellites. And so if, if, if God forbid something bad happened in uh, Louisiana and there was a certain spark, uh, spark of, of chatter on social media and all these different places, you know, it takes a while for a human to get wind of that and then the satellite operator to go tell and task the satellite to go check to see what's going on uh, in, uh, in Louisiana and, do and not do autonomous tasking. If the system could just ingest all these different data points, then we could actually inform satellite operations that could autonomously start tasking and collecting data in near real time versus having to wait for a satellite operator to go task the satellite to go do it. So that's another example of, of, you know, outside of climate change, of how we are leveraging AI with some of our software products, non-hardware products, uh, that can make satellites smarter for data collection in near real time. Ben, if you don't mind, or even if you do, sorry, I'm going to ask you to hold on a second. Let us take a quick break, and we're going to come right back and talk with the CEO of Hypergiant Industries, Ben Lamb, here on Into Tomorrow. Now is a great time to replace your worn-out windows during the Renewal by Anderson 25-Year Savings Event. Upgrade your home today. Buy four windows and get the fifth one free. 
Plus, get 12 months with no interest, no money down, and no payments. Call now. Get four windows and get the fifth one free. Installation and warranty included. Renewal by Anderson takes every CDC-recommended safety precaution to protect your family. For 25 years, people have trusted us for their window replacement needs, and you can too. Call now to learn about our buy four, get the fifth one free window replacement offer. 800-296-1440. Again, that's 800-296-1440. Interest accrues from date of purchase, but is waived if paid in full within 12 months. Other conditions apply. We've adjusted our operations to serve you safely following all CDC guidelines. 800-296-1440. Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline. We're chatting with the CEO of Hypergiant Industries at Hypergiant.com, Ben Lamb. And, of course, other than uh, environmental concerns, no no doubt there are some other big opportunities for humanity in the future. And, again, back to AI, artificial intelligence, can make a difference if it's used properly. Correct. And, and that's something that we're very, very passionate about, right? It's like we have the, the whole concept of ethical AI. We have actually we actually have a chief uh, chief ethics officer that focuses, are we, at what, what, what point should a human be making the right decision? At what point... Uh, should the system be automated? Where do we want to look for automation? Where do we want to look for uh, supervised machine learning? And where do we want to look for full autonomous machine learning? So making those decisions and setting those rules are really important. And, and, and it takes a company, you know, we always, you know, really try to, you know, focus on being a tech for good company. I, I don't want to say anything negative about other big tech companies, but for the most part, a lot of these tech companies that were supposed to usher in the golden age of humanity and supposed to save humanity and do all this great, amazing stuff that we see in sci-fi movies, ended up like stealing our data and using it against us and, and all these things, right? You've, everyone's read, you know, various news sources about all the stuff that the tech companies have done over uh, the last five years. Oh, especially so especially all of the anti-social media companies. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, we, and so we really want to be a tech for good company, and so we really try to make sure that ethical AI is at the front of how we're making these systems and, so, and where we choose to focus our efforts. Because our goal is to make humanity better, safer, and usher in a faster, better world. But we're really doing it through the lens of ethics and making sure that we're not trying to take too many steps forward uh, in, in some of these processes and we allow humans to be at the right point in the critical decision-making process. And at hypergiant.com, you talk about uh, various products invented. Is there a particular product that you're most proud of? I don't know if there's one product uh, that I'm most excited about. Uh, one of the things that I am personally most excited about, uh, at least in terms of like uh, what we've achieved, is we built this project called uh, uh, Project Orion, which is a situational awareness helmet. So think of uh, Iron Man meets uh, the Predator meets you know every every single type of awesome user experience that you've seen in the, in the movies is we wanted to build a, a, a technology platform that could be used for everything from first responders to uh, firefighters to soldiers uh, to policemen and women, and, and we did. We, we built this incredible technology that takes in uh, all these data points, everything from, like, drone feed. It has things like night vision and thermal vision and, and, and other vision modes. 
so that, you know, uh, a soldier or a first responder or a firefighter or who, whoever the use case is doesn't have to go out and have all these different technologies. We could have one helmet. It, it also it also includes uh, augmented reality, so it has uh, marker waypoints so that you can see where other people on your team or squad or firefighting unit are. Uh, you could layer in schematics. It, it, it's truly, you know, bridging the gap between spatial computing and visual computing. Uh, and I'm really, really proud of it. And, and the applications on it, on it go everything from healthcare uh, to military defense to uh, space um, and astronaut safety. So I'm very, very excited about it. I like it because it's just I'm a very visual person, so I love it. At the same time, some of the great women and men at, at Hypergiant have built some of the greatest, uh, coolest algorithms you've ever seen. Like we built an entire disaster mapping system that allows uh, uh, uh satellite feeds and satellite imaging to go in, be processed, and then we can relevance rank the damage and uh, potentially the, the, the priority for where first responders should look in case there's people that could be trapped or where uh, construction crews should start in terms of uh, rubble, uh, removal, and whatnot. And, and so it literally takes a, 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 an algorithm and builds and takes all these, I think, like 77 different data points and pulls together uh, a map that says this is how you should tackle this disaster zone. And so working on some really cool stuff uh, at Hypergiant, but Project Orion is probably one of my personal uh, favorites out there. Ben, you're, you're fascinating to talk with. I look forward to getting you back again soon because clearly there's much more to talk about as we head further into tomorrow, and I appreciate your input. Thanks again, Dave. We really appreciate it. It's our pleasure. Tomorrowing today at Hypergiant. I'm Dave Graveline. We continue bringing you further into tomorrow right here on the Advanced Media Network. Nothing is more important than protecting your family and property. That's why you should make a free call right now to Vivint, the number one smart home services provider in the U.S. Vivint will make your home safer and more secure with a state-of-the-art system that's so simple to use. Vivint smart home specialists provide award-winning monitoring of your system 24-7, 365 to respond to any emergency, even when you can't. And with the 4.5-star rated Vivint smart home mobile app, control your entire house from anywhere. Locks, cameras, security system, all at your fingertips on your mobile device. Call Vivint now and get a free quote, professional installation, and full smart home service for as little as $2 per day. Equipment purchase or service agreement required. Conditions apply. Call now. A smart home is a safer home. So protect your family and your property, home or business, with a Vivint smart home system. Call 800-689-3005. 800-689-3005. That's 800-689-3005. 800-689-3005. I'm Dave Graveline, and this is Into Tomorrow. Stay tuned as we try to survive our completely flooded control room here in Miami. It's time for our Info History Feature. IFA is one of the largest and oldest tech shows in the world. With this week's look back at IFA's historic past. 
Here's Chris Grave line. History, history, IFA. IFA. I heard I heard a Danny voice in there. The breakthrough for magnetic recording came in 1933 with the invention of the first recorder named Magnetophone by the German Edward Schuller. Oh, my. One year later, the chemical company BASF finished the development of the necessary magnetic tape, coating an acrylic tape with iron. Nerd alert! In 1935, Schuller's lab model, together with the tape by BASF, became reality at the big German Funkausstellung with the Magnetophone K1 by AEG. The first tape recorder in the world was a sensation at this show, which today is named IFA. That's this week's IFA update brought to you by Messe Berlin. Be sure to visit ifa-berlin.com. Let's go to Sadie in Jacksonville, Florida, up the road a further piece, listening to the podcasts. Oh, and we love you for it, Sadie, calling in using the Into Tomorrow app. What are some affordable, good quality air purifiers out there that remove pet dander, mold, mildew, and pollen particles from the air? And what should I be looking for when purchasing an air purifier, such as like features, to know that it's going to be a good quality product? Oh, that's a different question. I, I like the variety of questions our listeners are coming up with lately. It still involves tech, so it's what we cover. Well, Sadie, it depends on what you need it for and, of course, what room you intend to put it in. For the issues that you mentioned, though, we do have a couple of recommendations for air purifiers that won't break the bank. First one is Germ Guardian uh, AC4825. They have convoluted model numbers and stuff. This one costs just under $100, has three different filters, a carbon filter, true HEPA, high efficiency particulate air filter and a uvc or an ultraviolet c light this one is great for smaller rooms now next on the o ion four in one true hepa air purifier is another one this one's just under 60 dollars comes with the same three filters a nice plus is that it consumes low amounts of energy now you might want to also check out the holmes hepa type desktop air purifier this one's about 40 bucks and much smaller to fit onto a table and if you stop by into tomorrow.com we've got some more information for you including uh, the answer to your question about uh, what you can look for when purchasing. Yeah, do us a huge favor and let us know what ended up working best for you. Into tomorrow.com.